Welcome to the Noon at Northside podcast with your host, Pastor Stephanie. Well, welcome back, everybody. So last month, I had an incredible encouragement listening to our guest speaker talk about spiritual gifts. Our guest speaker last month was Candy LaPlace, who talked about you know, her understanding of spiritual gifts, her story, what her spiritual gifts are, and just provided a real encouragement to, to me and I would hope everyone on what it means to know who you are as a disciple of Christ and how you can use that to be a servant in the church. And it was just, it was so incredible to listen to that. And if you haven't gotten the chance, I do encourage you to go back and listen to that because it really was incredible. But it also brings me into this new topic for this month. So as you know, every month we start a new topic that kind of comes off of the topic of the month previous. And so this month, our conversation, our topic is on women in ministry. And what I love about this topic is it is one of those topics that can be a bit of a, a hot topic for some people because there are some disagreements, there are some, you know, discrepancies about what people believe when it comes to women in ministry. But, you know, last month we talked about the idea of spiritual gifts given to us regardless of who we are where we've been, what we've done, because when God fills us with his spirit, he gifts us the ability to be a part of his body of Christ, his body, his church. And when it comes to the conversation of women in ministry, sometimes I think we get too caught up in culture that we forget that when Christ came, he left all of that other stuff behind. He provided his spirit, his salvation for everybody. And so this month, we're going to be talking about women in ministry in reference to not just the importance of them, but what it means to be a woman in ministry and why the church needs to understand that women in ministry is not just some afterthought. It's not just some side thing. That women in ministry is a completion of the church, a completion of God's created humanity. So to start off with, I want to make clear that women in ministry does not just mean women who are pastors. Even though this is coming from someone who is a woman and a pastor, Women in ministry, simply to to my understanding, is women who have answered the call to be disciples of Christ, because ministry is different to each person. And sometimes when we hear the word ministry, our brains automatically think of pastors, which, you know, although true, is not the only type of ministry there is. Everyone who is a disciple of Christ has a ministry because they have a calling given to them by by God. And even though, yes, most of the conversation 
for women in ministry, most of the theology of women in ministry, most of what the Church of the Nazarene's manual says or what we're taught is more more directed towards allowing women to answer the call to be pastors, to pastoral ministry. It's not every person is called to be a pastor and not every woman is called to that either. And I don't want to sit here and, you know, give you all the, you know, reasons why women can be pastors <laughs> because some of you listening aren't in that given that call. And if we're supposed to build bridges between everybody, that also means building bridges between pastoral ministry and lay ministry or volunteer ministry. And so when I reference women in ministry, what I'm saying is that there is collectively this idea, this theology, that women can be called by God, can be called to be, you know, just in the church, can be called to be leaders of the church, can be called to be clergy and pastors, can be called to be teachers, can be called to be servants, can be called by God to be whatever God calls them to be. Women can be a part of the body of Christ because that is their ministry. That is our ministry. As simply a Christian, as simply a follower of Christ, our foundational ministry is to answer the call to be a part of the body of Christ. And so whether you're listening as someone who is thinking or has been called to be a pastor or simply called to be a part of the church in some way or another, to use your gifts in the church, this topic of conversation is meant to be an encourager to you to answer that call. And on the other side of that, if you're a man who's listening to this, It is meant to be an encourager that men and women are meant to be a part of the body of Christ. And so this topic of conversation, which obviously to me as a woman in the church, is very encouraging to being a woman. And I just wanted to start off by, you know, saying that because I don't want anyone to be confused as to what women in ministry means. Women in ministry is for anyone who has answered the call to be a disciple of Christ. It is to anyone who has been created in God's image as a part of humanity who can be a part of the body of Christ. Now, to keep going on this topic of conversation, women in ministry throughout time have been a little bit misunderstood. Culturally speaking, women have never had much place in society until just recently. Given the thousands of years of human history, human culture, it is only recently in all of that that women have been given part uh, given a place in society where they can express this idea of being included. And a lot of people, you know, have their different debates on the reason for that. But for me, when I 
read God's intent for humanity, I understand that the negative views of women throughout history is a is a result of sin in the world. It's a cultural thing. It is not God's intention for women. It is not God's intention for humanity. And so as we are in a time of history where women are starting to get their place, are starting to be heard, where women can be included in things, it is important for us to understand that this was God's intention from the beginning. And as we, you know, continue to be encouraged to be a part of ministry, we must also remember and remind ourselves that this is what God intended for us all along. That it was sin corrupting human history between God's creation of humanity and now between God's creation of humanity and when he brought, sent his son, that that was a, a result of sin and not what God's intention for humanity was, God's intention for women to be. And so when we speak of women in ministry, there's always needing to be this you know, sidebar. We always have to understand the difference between God's intention for women and the cultural understanding of women. And the reason I point this out is because one of the reasons women in ministry is such a hot topic is because there are some difficult passages in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, that don't paint women in the best picture. They don't speak to women as God would speak of women. And when we read these passages, I'm not going to go into much great detail of them because there are just, there's a lot and they require a lengthy, you know, breakdown to understand them. But the point here is that if God's intention for uh, women is good and the light of women has been seen as negative, then that is a result of sin a result of human thinking, of human nature, and must be, you know, understood in that context. So when you read passages that are, you know, difficult to understand, that are, that are, um, you know, counterintuitive, that are against what other passages say, they're more than likely a result of a specific situation a specific cultural context, a human mind who was thinking and writing these down based off of context and culture. And in the background, they have God's intention. But what I want to focus on, you know, today, what I want to focus on when we talk about women in ministry and what you really need to, you know, pay attention from this point on is to understand what is God's intention for women in ministry? What is God's intention for women in humanity? What is the foundation for us to build theology of women off of? What is our intention, our, you know, what God's intention is supposed to be? What is our foundation? And that takes us back to the book of Genesis, which is where we're going to be talking about today. 
In the book of Genesis, we are given the only real account of God's intention for humanity, intention for women, because it is before sin came into the world in chapters one and two. And so before sin was a thing, God's intention for women is plainly seen, written for us to understand. And like other difficult passages in the Bible, even Genesis 1 and 2, mostly Genesis 2, has been changed and warped to fit culture. And one of the things that poses the biggest problem when we talk about women in ministry is how the Bible is translated. There are there's always discrepancies when you translate the Bible because there are differences in languages. There are differences in Hebrew and Greek than there are in English. English is a very strange language, and it does not always accurately understand what other languages are trying to say. Other languages have multiple words that mean the same thing or the same word that mean multiple things. And the truth is, because these passages of the Bible were written thousands of years ago, we can never 100% know what was being said in the Bible. We can only use context of what is being written, use what we do know, translating the Bible as best as we can. But when we understand what the Bible is saying in context, then we get the full picture. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 specifically, we get one of these, you know, moments when the Bible is saying one thing, but we have understood it something differently. And I want to focus on this particular passage because for me, it sets the standard for what women in humanity is. It is the foundation for women in ministry and women in the church, at least by my understanding. And in this passage, Genesis 2, 18, it is the moment when God is seeing Adam, his created human, in context of his other creation. And he looks upon Adam and says, it is not good for man being humanity, being mankind, to be alone. And so God created a helper for humanity, for his human that he had created, which, yes, has been always seen as a man, has been seen in the masculine sense, but in larger context simply means humanity. And it is this word helper that has always been confusing about this passage. Most people have read this and have interpreted it to mean that women, the second created human, to be inferior to the first, that we are to be subjects of man, that we are to be their servants, their slaves, complete under them, inferior to them. Because when we read the word helper, that's typically what we mean. But this word helper in the Bible, which is Ezer, E-Z-E-R, in case you didn't understand what I was saying, Ezer, has a completely different meaning than we have given to it. 
And when you understand its meaning, you understand what the intention for women is, what God's intention for women is. And it's incredible. See, this word ezer, which means helper, is used in the Bible 22 times. And even though my math might not be completely correct, it's 22 times in the Bible, twice has been used in reference to women, this being one of them. Three times it was in reference to the Israel nation. But every other time that it was referenced in the Old Testament, it is in reference to God. It in reference to God depicts God as a helper. In context, meaning God is our helper, he is our savior, he is our rescuer, he is our protector. And this word, Ezer, as helper, it does not mean inferior to. Instead, it means either superior or equal to. In context, when it references God, it means he is superior. But when it references Israel, when it references women, it means equal to. We are created equal to man. To save humanity, this created human that God made, he created another human. One that was the same in his Imago Dei, but different than his first. Created as an equal counterpart to Adam. To save his humanity, his created mankind from loneliness and solitude for it was not good for him to be alone the cool thing about this word that provides the foundation for women is that this is meant to be seen as we are one who comes to aid adam we are an ally made for mankind Women are meant to be an equal counterpart, like a puzzle piece created opposite of man. Both different and both the same, meaning we're both humans, humanity. We both represent what humanity is. We both represent the Imago Dei, the image of God in us, but yet we are different. We look different. We act different. We think different. Our bodies are created differently. Our minds work differently. But not as in one is superior and one is not. Simply as when brought together as two different puzzle pieces, when together are bound, they show us the better image. They paint the full picture when they come together. They equal each other out. What is a strength for one is or might be a weakness for the other. And what one has as a weakness is strengthened in the other. That is why Ezer, helper, means to strengthen. That's its intent. And the treatment of women as anything less than 
what has been designed here as a strengthened ally, a partner, an equal partner in humanity, like I've mentioned, is a cultural thing. It is in it is a result of sin in the world. And it is not God's true intention for women. You know, the story is always gone gone that we have been treated as less than because Eve sinned. And our punishment for as women was always greater. But that is not God's intention for us. God created women to be an equal counterpart to man. And then sin came and messed everything up. But the hope here is in Christ. God sent Christ to redeem creation to bring about a new creation. He didn't just come to wipe away our sins and bring us salvation. He came to restore God's original intent for humanity, both male and female, to eradicate what sin has corrupted, to restore everything, to bring about a new creation. And in Christ, we have the opportunity to rebuild God's intent for humanity. An intent that says that everyone who is in Christ is his child, is a child of God, is a part of his creation. That everyone who repents can be a part of the body of Christ because we all from the beginning are a part of humanity. Whether we are male or female, whether we come from one country or another, whether our skin look different, whether we love differently, doesn't matter. We're all humanity who represent the image of God. And in Christ, when we put our faith in Christ, our trust in Christ, when we practice the love and repentance that Christ teaches us about, that he provides for us, we, in fact, restore God's intent for humanity, for all of humanity. In the Church of the Nazarene, our basic premise, our foundational verses for women in ministry, but for anybody, to be honest, comes out of the book of Galatians. And it comes from Galatians chapter 3, where He's talking about, you know, how faith trumps the law. He's talking about how when we put our faith in Christ, all the other things don't necessarily matter so much. Because the law was once our guardian to protect us until Christ came to save us. And now that Christ has come, we are living in a new creation where we are restoring God's intent for humanity. And what I want to read for you right now is Galatians chapter 3, starting with verse 23 to 29. And this is where we get the premise, the foundation for humanity after Christ has come. Humanity that is meant to restore God's intent for both men, women, for everybody. And this is what it reads. 
Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. How powerful is that? To know that God intended humanity to be equal to each other, to be equal counterparts, strengthening each other in ways we could not on our own. And with Christ, we are called to let go of the cultural labels that bind us into this idea of who is superior and who is not. The idea of who was a majority and who was a minority. We are to let go of all of those things because all of us in Christ are one. That we all belong to him. We are all heirs of the promise that we can be saved, that we can inherit the kingdom of God. And so whether you are thinking of this as women in ministry or whether you're thinking about it this from at some other point of view, we are all people designed and intended to strengthen each other. We are all humanity, all the Imago Dei. And we have all been called to return to Christ, to return to God, and serve and follow him, to put our faith in him. And if we are all called to put our faith in him, then we are all called to this ministry that is a being a follower of Christ. And as a specific encouragement to women... It specifically tells us that there is, ne- there is neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And so it doesn't matter your sex, your gender, your ethnicity, your race. We are all called to be a part of the church, a part of the body of Christ, a part of this ministry. And it is so incredible to know that. And I I could sit here and go into more detail of explaining certain passages, pointing out other people. I can tell you about women in leadership, especially in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and throughout church history. I could tell you all about all that stuff. But the real foundation for women to be included For anybody who was thought of as less than someone else to be included, to be equal to everyone, everyone else is that we are called to be a strength 
to God's creation. God created an ezer, a helper, to strengthen, to aid, to ally with humanity. And that is just absolutely incredible. Now that's all that I have for you guys today. I want to encourage all of you who are still maybe a little, you know, wanting to understand more about this idea of women in ministry, the theology of women in ministry. I really encourage you to look up some really good things. You know, as as someone who is studying to be ordained in the Church of the Nazarene, we we study a lot about this stuff. We take classes in this stuff. We read a lot of books. And one of the there's two things I recommend because they really helped me understand this idea of coming together. Even though they're written about women, they provide the context for, you know, how all of us can come together regardless of what makes us different from other people. The thing that is always used to make us less than someone else, the same foundations apply when it's referenced as for women. And so one of the things that I I had studied in one of my books is what's called um, one of the, you know, previous um, people who have written for the Church of the Nazarene, her name is Winecoop. And she she wrote basically a, a manual for, you know, the theology of women ministry. And I really encourage you to look that up. She writes about the creation mandate, um, Old Testament women, New Testament women, and even the difficult passages. And, you know, you can look that up online. I even have some, you know, personally that I have copies of. So if you want to like read those, I really encourage you to because they really do help break down all of those different passages that I did not mes- mes- mention um, and help you understand them. The other thing is a, a book that just came out in the Church of the Nazarene that I just got when I went to a women clergy conference uh, about a month ago, um, and it's called Faithful to the Call, Women in Ministry. It is. Uh, it was edited by Carla Sundberg, who is our female general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene, which is awesome. Um, it's written by several people, but it is the new standard for understanding the foundations of women in ministry, understanding the call women have been given. And so I really encourage you to get that book from the Foundry um, to read that. Uh, It's just, it's also incredible, but it also helps you break down all these different passages. But regardless of all the many passages, the one thing I want to help us remember is that God's intention for us, for women, for everyone, to be honest, is to come together and strengthen each other. Just like we come together as the body of Christ, each part providing what they need, each part unable to live separately, but must function together as the body of Christ, we are all created to strengthen each other, for it is not good for humanity to be apart from humanity. That's why we come together as the body of Christ, because we're designed, we're created to come together. And if you come across a passage that is hard to understand, well, don't let that dictate your faith, your beliefs, because there are passages in the Bible that are clear. They provide clarity and they are the standard. 
anything Jesus says, anything God intended in creation, those are the standards. Everything else is, you know, honestly written by humans and can be misguided and can reference specific cultural contexts that don't necessarily apply to us today, 2,000 years later. So just remember the intent for humanity and understand that women, anyone is different. We are called to be a part of God's church, and that is something incredible. Well, that's all I've got for you guys today. I really hope you come back. We have a guest speaker who's coming back who also is a woman who is um, working on being ordained. She actually is just about to be ordained in the Church of the Nazarene. Um, and I think she's going to provide some awesome things about women in ministry. She might cover some of these topics. She might cover some stories that she has in her life. Um, and I really encourage you to come and listen to that because it's going to be incredible. And it's really going to help us all come together and build bridges in the church today, which is what the point of all of this is. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we'll catch you guys next time.